The great voice of Bing Crosby. Patricia almost have made it, haven't you, Patricia? Patricia has made it. She made it to the point where she can say Merry Christmas to the California gang because it's after midnight now. That's right, and we got another California gang on the line. Hello, Lori Gashman. Merry, Merry Christmas, Walden. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you, sir. Merry Christmas, Virginia. Uh, that's not Virginia. Oh, is there a Santa Claus? <laughs> I answer to anything at this hour. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing up still, Patricia. I mean, it's three 3.09 back there. Yes. And this is an early night. I'm going to poop out early. Last week, we managed to get to 6 o'clock in the morning. But I'm not going to make it this time. I don't blame you. Do you, have to, do you have to get up and do stuff tomorrow? Yeah, I have to do stuff. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> yeah, I do too. And she's got a whole lot of stuff, but I I have stuff to do. And she's going on early again, seven o'clock Eastern tomorrow night. Wow. I'll be with Walden. You see what a slave driver he is? It's just amazing, awful, Larry. You know, adult labor laws are subject to violation here. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you for that. I really appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. We just got back a little while ago, and Melinda's going through emails and. Uh, I think we fixed her computer. She was having some issues, and now she can hear YouTube stuff. And and so, uh, you, know, you know, I said, are you going to go to bed? She said, I think I'll look at email for a while. So I said, I'll call Walden and bug him. And so we've been chatting about stuff. And um, uh, That's Patricia's favorite word. I'm glad you caught on. What's that? Stuff. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's general enough so we don't have to tell everybody exactly what it is. <laughs> that's exactly right. Thank you for understanding. Where yeah, were you just, tonight? What right are you now doing? it's stuff. Later on it'll be more specific <laughs> stuff, yes. but right now it's just stuff. stuff. I was doing stuff. What's in the closet? Stuff. 
Yeah. It's an all-purpose word. Thank you for understanding. And on Thanksgiving, we elaborate a little more. We call it stuffing. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> you get two points for that one. <laughs> so tell me what you you two do at Christmas time. What kind of traditions or customs are you setting up for yourself? Uh, we don't think we really have any traditions or customs. Uh, we Because we have two different families, we have her family and mine, we trade every year so this year we went we did thanksgiving well we did thanksgiving we were going to go to her mom's but melinda's on dialysis three days a week and when we went to uh, look around they had places where we could go because her mom lives some bit away from here but but the the people the dialysis centers were full so her mom cool. and her mom came in to orange county and we did dinner here uh so now Christmas is with my family, and next year it'll switch. So uh, now you, Melinda, decorate the apartment. What's that? You guys decorate the apartment. Nah, we didn't. We we yeah. talked about. We we thought about it. But we said why. You know, it doesn't really matter because we're the only ones who could enjoy it anyway. Generally. Yeah. So we we don't have a Christmas tree because okay. we don't really have room, a lot of room. Uh huh. But it wasn't important to us. You know, Christmas was important. Being together was important. Yeah. And it didn't matter. And besides, we're so busy during this month anyway that, you know, I'm rarely home. And it, it didn't matter to her, so we don't usually don't do a tree. Mm -hmm. And we still celebrate Christmas, and we still have a good time with it and enjoy it. Um, and, you know. The voice of sanity. This is so reassuring. Thank you. I don't have a tree. No? I did not. No, I usually put, when I, when I put up a tree, I put it outside on Lynn and I. Because I have a very tiny apartment. I mean, if I put the tree up there, I'd have to move out. <laughs> so um, it's out on Lanai, and I'm, you know, it just takes so much time mm -hmm. and so much effort for one person to decorate a, as small a space as it is. It's really a busy thing to do. Yeah. And I thought, like you, you know, who's going to enjoy it? Well, a couple of people who walk across the footbridge. And me. The, the people who can see will enjoy ours, but, but <laughs> no. both of us being blind, we're not going to visually get much out of it. You, right. know, you, you can smell the tree, but you know, it, 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 that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is being together and celebrating Christmas. So right. decided not to worry about it. So not the trappings. And good for you, and you don't feel guilty about it? Not in the least. You're just having a good time enjoying each other and your families. That's right. That's, That's right. Cool. When you guys were growing up, did you have any special traditions that you observed? Uh, it, it's funny the traditions kind of changed because um, we used to when my when my mom and dad were still alive, we would celebrate Christmas on Christmas Day early in the morning. Mm -hmm. You know, and three or four o'clock in the morning, I'd go pounding on their door. Hey, wake up! Guess what time it is? Uh, yeah. And there was, and so we would, and we wake up. Well, we never really did go back to sleep, but we laid there for a while, and then we'd make noises, you know, quiet noises, but still noises, just to make sure that maybe if they weren't really asleep, they might get up a little early. It usually never worked out that way. <laughs> and so long about, oh, I don't know, 7, 7.30 or so, we'd open up some of the presents, then we'd go to church, come back, and open up more. Um, once, once my mom and dad were both gone, uh, you know, it changed a little bit. You know, we would open things, you know, maybe some of the things on Christmas Eve, or we'd do Christmas Eve, or have a Christmas Eve with, with people, they'd come over, and we'd open up presents then. Tonight, we opened up presents with my side of the family, and, 
tomorrow morning we will probably open up a few presents with people who weren't there tonight. So it's changed a little bit, and, and we find now I find especially that I have two and three and sometimes four different Christmases because we already opened presents from Melinda's side of the family when they came in uh-huh. earlier. Um, and that's part of the problem, too, especially is when you're having Christmas with one side of the family, you have to find time to have Christmas with the other side of the family. And sometimes, based on schedules, that's not easy. Yeah. I have said for years that some of the European, well, in the, in the, um, the Russian and the Orthodox, the, the uh, Greek Orthodox, many of them celebrate Christmas on January 6th, which is the 12th day of Christmas. And I've always thought that that was really a very smart thing. It's supposed to be the day that the Magi presented their gifts to the Christ child. So conceptually, it makes a whole lot of sense. But it kind of spreads out the craziness. And I've, right. I've always thought that that would be a wonderful idea, but nobody agreed with me. Anytime you can spread out the craziness, that's what it's all about. But I, I, just, I just, you know, it just seems to gang up on you. Mm-hmm. all the time, but sometimes it just kind of sneaks up. This year it just sneaked up on me. It did. And suddenly I was looking at the calendar last week and I thought, oh my, we're, we've got one week left to go. What kind of goodies did you get in your presence tonight? I got, and this seems to be the rule rather than the exception, and that's fine, because we do the same thing. I got a lot of gift cards. Ah, that's right. okay. And I don't mind that at all. In fact, I give those out as well. Uh, and and um, I got a, a belt from my brother, John. Not figuratively, but <laughs> the one you wear. Okay. Um, and uh, we got, uh, my sister-in-law was telling us about a week or two ago about a thing you can buy at the store called salad toppings. I didn't know anything about it, nor did Melinda. And they're little toppings in a little bottle that you can put on salad. And so we got one of those tonight. And it has all kinds of things in it, like, Sunflower seeds and uh, oh wow and and bell peppers. What else? Carrots, soy. What else? Soy pieces, salt, seasonings, and you you shake them up and put them on salads. And I really available, like I guess, that. Most, what a great way you know, to just kind of taste things and find the ones that you love a lot, and and you can buy them exclusively. Well, that's true. Yeah. Oh, I love samplers. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and who gave you that one? For pre- it's funny for for. For families, we got gift cards for a lot of the kids. Mm-hmm. Put twenty dollars inside an envelope, and this way they can get what they really want. Sure. I hate the fact that uh, you know in times past I would always have to return things that either didn't fit or whatever else. And this way, uh, you know, people can can do what they want with the money. Yeah, and then you have the argument, not the argument, the the conundrum of showing up at a store to exchange something, but you don't have the sales slip. Right. And a lot of people don't think to put the sales slip in the card. So this way, yeah. now why would you turn down a gift card? You know, so there's a lot of good stuff with gift cards. Okay, well, if somebody does, I'll give you my address, okay? I will, exactly. Form a line. <laughs> <laughs> I have to get in line. Oh, my goodness. The cool thing about California, and I don't know, I don't know what it is like federally, but gift cards don't go bad in California. Well, the only thing that I have read is that within the the last couple of years with the economy tanking, that people were left with gift cards 
that were no longer honored because a store got gobbled up and was merged into another one, mm-hmm. or it went out of business. So yeah. the recommendation was to use the cards fairly quickly. There was nothing wrong with the cards, but mm-hmm. to use them fairly quickly. But that seems to have diminished in terms of a concern. Yeah, I have a lot of gift cards still, and we do use them a lot. You do? We still have a uh, lot. Yeah, I think it's a great gift. I would, you know, I, as a kid, I think I might have been disappointed, although... You know, having having the ability to go out and pick out what's really important to me, I think would be wonderful. Yeah, I, I agree. And I don't, and I still like getting the other gifts, whatever they huh? might be. Uh, and you know, I got a twenty a forty dollar gift card to Best Buys. Well, shoot. <laughs> oh, well, uh, I like Best. <laughs> Do you have any more? No. <laughs> but I trade this one in for a Best Buy, please. Yeah, I, I I used Best Buys liberally when I had to go to Windows Seven. Uh, now, there was no gift card attached to that. It was, you know, do you want a computer or not? Because mine died here a few months ago. Oh, dear. But but I still have uh, a few gift cards to Best Buys, and I am sure I'll be finding uses for them. You you will be able to do That's nice because somebody who gave you a card knew that it was something you would enjoy. Exactly. It wasn't, you know, a Burger King and you never eat a hamburger. Um, that's well, neat. Now a lot of people will do this too. I give people Visa gift cards so they can take it and use it anywhere. Anywhere, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Okay, so what are you going to go shopping for? I don't know. I'm not sure yet. Um, That's good. A thoughtful person. Yeah, I've got to think about that a little bit. I just bought a a two terabyte drive for Melinda Uh backup stuff. And and people, <laughs> she'll never use all that, but the three terabyte drives have just come out now, so they're trying to get rid of the two terabytes. So they're they're reducing prices so that it's incredibly cheap. Yeah, I think it was a hundred bucks for a two terabyte drive. Well, when I got mine, oh, I got mine on a discount about a, oh six to eight months ago, but it was being sold for I think it was two hundred and fifty bucks then, and I got it for a hundred and fifty or hundred and sixty. Now you can get that same two two terabyte for under a hundred. Think back two or three years ago, and how much would you have paid then? Oh, two for a two terabyte. Uh huh. A lot more. If you could find one. If you could find one, yeah. Now they've come out with three terabyte drives. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I look at what I have downloaded it just in old time radio shows, and I mean they're they're big gobblers. If you get some reasonably good quality shows, uh, you know you've got fifty or sixty megabytes on a single show. And that can chew up space pretty fast, so I've transferred them over to DVDs or CDs. Um, but I did pick up a couple of flash drives the other day, um, mostly to transfer from one computer to the other. If I'm working in one room and want to move to another one, mm-hmm. it sounds great. But even those little things, I mean, you, you paid a fortune for a 2-gigabyte flash uh, even just a year ago, and I'm picking up 8 gigabytes for $5. It, it's and it's amazing too when I think back ten years ago, eleven years ago, whenever I started with computers, ninety eight or whatever it was, my my hard drive back then was ten gigs. Mm-hmm. That little flash drive you've got is almost the size of the space from my computer. And if you go back even further, it was a lot less in terms of space for the hard drive. So we've come a long way technologically. Just and the ten gigs were just mind blowing at the time. We said we all will never use it. Oh, my God. How am I going to fill this up? Yeah, exactly. Hello. Oh, I've only got 160, and I don't know what to do. <laughs> so, to be fair, we never, those, those days, we never were able to download MP3s and the big files. 
that we now routinely, routinely, routinely download. It was a, it was a big deal back then. Now, you know, we download sometimes hundreds of those every day. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I sit here. I've, I've got. Um, I'm, I use an old. I'm, I'm on Macs, and they just don't die. So, for as long as it lasts me, I'm going to stick with it, as I have done with other ones. Mm-hmm. And this one is probably a 2005, and that's a stretch. The guy may have picked it up in a, a late 2004. When I bought it, it was still under warranty. So we're talking a minimum five years, probably six years old. And, I mean, the thing is just a little jewel. I want to kiss a good night every night. But it has 125 gigs, and it's gone. I mean, you look at it twice, and it's gone. Yep. You have to have external drives in order to, for that to even be workable and usable. Absolutely. Do, do Macs last? The more we need and the more we want, the more we get and the more we want. Yep. Do Macs last? Because the the general age of most Windows computers, they say if you get five or six years out of your computer, you're doing well. Mm-hmm. That's about what I got out of this one. The first one, I think I got about eight or nine years out of it, and I was lucky. Wow, that's but, really good. But but do Macs have a different age life to them? They they last longer than a PC. Yeah, they must. They do. Um, this is. You will talk to computer owners and people who are sophisticated and they really rely on computers to do their work, not to work on. Right. They will upgrade repeatedly. But for somebody like me, my needs are so simple. I need space and I need uh, to be able to pull out information from the Internet and do it quickly mm-hmm. and do documents. Yeah. And I, I'm a writer. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> not exactly a computer programmer here. And... So this thing is going to last me probably for another 10 years. Yep, yep. And I do a lot of work. You know, when I work for Marriott, I'm on the Internet a bunch. And even in for the radio show, when I'm looking for bios on people or whatever, or, for instance, this week because of the death of Fred Foy and earlier Lena Romai, I'm doing all kinds of things to look up material that I may not know about because even though I've got a lot of material on them, both, both in document form and radio shows, I always look. Uh-huh. Because I know that you know I'm I, I'm not going to have everything, and I generally do find some things that I didn't know that they had done or wasn't aware that it was, uh, you know, in the form of a radio show. So um, it, this comes in really really handy. Yeah, one of the greatest pieces of fun I can have is to do some searching as. You were talking about um, looking for information with Fred Foy, and uh, you know him. You know him well. You knew what he did. But when you come, when I come across something and I can say, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Hmm. Oh, man, is that a success or what? Yep, it is. Good stuff. It is. And I, I knew about his life because, you know, in a lot of cases, we, we chatted with him when he told me. But, but he, there were some things he forgot. Mm-hmm. And so it's cool to go through what has been written down because in a few cases there are a few things that I'd forgotten about. Yeah. So now it's a matter of just trying to figure out what I want to put into this program, which looks like it's going to be a two-hour show just for him. Is this for next week? Uh, yeah. Not, not for, not, well, I think it's going to run probably beginning the 2nd, which is my birthday. January 2nd? Yeah. January 2nd is your birthday? Yep. Oh, my goodness. You were a New Year baby, mm-hmm. which meant your parents.
parents couldn't deduct you for the previous year. <laughs> they couldn't. We've, I've, I've been hearing about that for years. I'll bet you have. Yeah. You know, I mean, kids who crawl out in on January 1st after midnight on Christmas, on New Year's Eve, boy, oh, boy. Missed the tax are... <laughs> deduction by that much. Parents lost out on that one. Mm -hmm. What time of the day? I know you're three minutes older than John, but what? I was born at 8.18 p.m., mm -hmm. and he was born at 8.21 p.m., mm. And we were two and a half months premature, one pound, eight ounces, one pound, ten ounces. Oh, and you Melinda, are just when little she ones. Wow, I knew you were preemies. I did not realize yeah. that small. When Melinda described us to her nieces to give them some indication as to how little we were, we were 13 inches long, she said they were about the size of a macho burrito. <laughs> That's about right. Yeah, it is about right. That's about right. Or, yeah. you know, a foot-long foot sub-sandwich. Sub yeah, you're right. Yeah. No, I, I don't like the word sub in any context with regard to our upbringing. Way. Yeah. You, you are a foot-long way sandwich. That's fine. Very cool. She just said matcha burrito sounds much better. <laughs> and sub. Now, John, you could get away with sub sandwich or substandard or whatever. No, maybe not. Oh, aren't you awful. You see, he's going to hear this eventually. He is not near a computer right now, so I have... Uh Okay, well, so said, you're, you're flying solo right now. Yes. Um, how much did you weigh and how much did he weigh? One pound, ten ounces. He was one pound, eight ounces. Very darn close on that. Yeah, we were. Preemies lose weight mm -hmm. before they start gaining weight. What did you two go down to? I don't know. Nothing. I mean, nothing. Well, we couldn't like, have gone too much further. We were in the hospital until we got to five pounds, which was, I think we were in the hospital about 70, 65, 70 days. Easily. Yeah. Easily. Uh, and if, if you got up to five pounds in two and a half months, you were good. Yeah. You liked your din-din. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good. Oh, yeah. Wow. Wow. I, uh, my goodness. My goodness. You should not have survived. No, we should not have survived. I was thinking, you rascals, and you did. I had a uh, uncle, a great uncle, who had a premature baby. Uh, and this was like 1913. He was like a pound and you know eight ounces. And you know back then, think it was in the farm area of the country in Nebraska. Uh huh. My grandmother, my great grandmother, stuck him in a cigar box and get opened the oven and just keep him keep kept him warm. Oh my God. No doctors and people in a horse and buggy drove all over the country to go look at this little baby. Just think, you know, um, wow. a miracle that would have been, considering... Boy, how did she know what temperature to put him at? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and what if she made a little mistake? <laughs> a little overdone on the bottom side. Oh, my gosh. Mary. <laughs> is, he, uh, is he done yet? <laughs> I don't know. I have to prick him with a toothpick. <laughs> let's, let's, if, if, the, if the Ford goes all the way in, then he's fine. That's right. That's right. We use toothpicks over here. <laughs> I, I do think about this with the Dion yeah. once in a while. In a farmhouse with no assistance, and you just know that they were preemie, never mind tiny. Um, they were born prematurely and tiny. And how they ever survived and thrived is beyond me. I guess it's beyond anybody else as well. But they, they all did. Every one of them. I, I think they were born in 34. Is that right? I don't know. Something like that. I mean, in the early 30s. 38 no? or something like that. Somewhere in the 30s, yeah. It's not 34, but I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I don't I don't know how many of them are still alive today. There, there were at least... Uh, we'll have 
have to Google and find out. I mean, they 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 grew up to be adults and productive adults and you know intelligent people. Yeah. Functioning, and they mm -hmm. they just that I know of anyway. There were no residual physical uh, challenges that they had to deal with. Mm -hmm. No. So uh, it, I mean, it's just remarkable. Yeah, it is. So you two got you you were two cuddled in there, and they were five cuddled all together. That's amazing. Oh my! Goodness. They all made it. And no medical care. It's been no right. medical exactly. care that just blows you away. And sometimes I think these little munchkins survived because they didn't have medical care. You know, and I don't mean that in a sassy way. Sometimes medicine approaches so aggressively that there are things that are done textbook style that didn't match mm -hmm. what was needed. Mm -hmm. Am I explaining that correctly? Do you understand what I mean? I do. Okay. So anyway, so maybe maybe it was to their benefit that uh, they had they did have a doctor in attendance when when they were born, and uh, the doctor was not uh, terribly optimistic mm -hmm. about their survival. But uh -huh. by golly, they did. And this one, you talk about, you talk about your your uncle placed near the oven to stay warm. These little babies were placed near a fireplace. Yeah. I mean, how do you how do you judge heat? I don't, know. I don't know, but somebody did something right. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Amazing. Just amazing. So, what are you going to do tomorrow? Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. What? Uh, what are you do? What you going to do? I got to get up early. Well, who knows what time? I mean, I'd like to sleep late, but all past indications are that that ain't going to happen. We'll see. Maybe the later stay later. I stay up tonight. The later I'll sleep. We'll see. Uh, but I got to get the shows. Uh, up to the people for the various websites. I have to do that tomorrow because uh, that's something I usually do Thursday or Friday, but I got busy, so yeah. it'll happen tomorrow, and then we'll go out visiting uh, uh, family tomorrow, and uh, uh, that's pretty much it. Just you know, we'll be doing that tomorrow. Yeah, it just—it's one of those days where you get to the end and say, "Where did we spend the day?" Mm -hmm. But you're exhausted because, boy, did you spend it. Exactly. Yeah, you know we were talking earlier about music, Larry, and you you got a good ear. What what was a popular song that you you and your group sang this year during the holidays? What were some of the uh, were there anything new? What the uh, and what what is your favorite traditional Christmas song? Hmm. Well, we sang a lot of the traditional Christmas songs. We did Silent Night. We did Jingle Bells. Uh, we even delved into Jingle Bell Rock, which was done a little later. Uh, Silent Night, mm -hmm. um, among others, and uh, I don't know. Uh, Silent Night, I always liked. We did Winter Wonderland. I always liked that one because mm -hmm. it's a fun song. Um, we probably I don't know. We did a lot of songs. What had a, had a lot song, of fun. What Christmas song could you live without and not miss? Um, hmm. Excluding the chipmunks and things like that. Well, yeah, Grandma got run over by a reindeer, you but I don't consider that, that a Christmas one. song. I mean, I picked I picked a little town of Bethlehem. That's not uh, a song that does anything for me, and if you took it away, I wouldn't miss it. I don't know that I have an answer. I don't have any that I vehemently hate. Well, you know, I mean, you don't have to really hate it. It's yeah, I, I don't even think I have any that I don't just I'm not too excited about either. I enjoy singing almost all of them. What song is the toughest for a quartet to do? 
Well, um, I don't know if it's toughest, but some of the songs that are so steeped in minor chord progressions are sometimes tougher for quartets because it's all in minor and it's it's harder to hear. And uh, and, and then if, if there's any flatting going on, it's a lot more apparent because it's in a minor key and you hear it more than you might if it were in all major keys. Um, what Child Is This is a tough song because so much of it's minor. And so in, unless the quartet or the chorus has essentially good ears, they're probably going to not do that song justice. Now, a song like What Child Is This slides into new notes or, or new... I don't know what I'm what I'm saying here. You've got minor notes, major notes, but you change very slowly, as opposed to something that that's a a really snappy song. Is it more difficult to sing the notes very slowly, more so than it is to um, to to keep a a really poppy song going? Uh, no, I don't think so. Sometimes it's easier to sing the slow songs. Really? Because so with the fast songs, you're having to move interval to interval faster uh-huh. and and you have to have a much better grasp of the tonal center the keynote in terms of what key the song's in uh-huh. and then you have to actually hit those notes and so sometimes when it's real fast it can be tougher i guess i would have guessed the opposite hmm. isn't that interesting yeah. how, how do well, you, i have done been educated how did yeah. you do uh, how do you guys sit down and arrange a song we don't arrange the song um I don't have that kind of that that kind of capability. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I could learn it mm-hmm. probably, but I don't. Uh, other people do arrange, and then they give the song to us, and some of the guys can read music. John and I, of course, can't. So we learn by learning tapes. People put tapes together where they'll sing the the song into a uh, computer nowadays. Now they do it with a computer and all kinds of stuff, and then we learn it that way. And then once we learn it, we get together and begin to work the song, build an interpretation, and get all the words and notes, etc., and uh, and deal with balance issues, etc. Do you and John do any work together before you get together with the other two? No. Generally not. You know, we'll each take the song and learn it to the best of our ability beforehand. And then when we get together, we we'll, we just put it together. And sometimes if it's a tough song, it takes a while. And um, uh, and it also takes a little while to blend too, especially if it's a new some. This year we sang. Uh, are you familiar with "Merry Christmas, Darling" by the Carpenters? I don't think so. Right. I am so bad. If you if you play something for me, I can say, "Oh yeah, I know that." that well, that song is a little bit of minor and 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 does it has a, it's a few little tricky spots, and so it took us a little while to begin to really blend and uh-huh. put it together. Um, the thing that helped it a lot was we each went home and fixed issues that we had came uh, and okay. it was tons, tons better. All right, now that was a song that was done by a couple. It was a duet, and you're translating that into a quartet. Yeah, somebody arranged something like that. Uh, we have an arranger who took it and pretty much what he did is, I mean, it was, it, it, he followed a lot of what was done orchestrally. And then he built in some things for the quartet mm-hmm. as well. So he arranged it, and we took his arrangement and learned it and sang it. Sounds reasonable to me. Yeah. 
You make it sound so easy. No, and I, I can't sing. It so is easy. I really us. admire this. Yeah, it is easy for us. It's not that difficult. It's fun to do. And we enjoy doing it, so there's motivation going in. So yeah. when, when did yeah. you start, when you did the Christmas thing, uh, the show, December 11? When did you start preparing for that? We started looking at some Christmas songs. In other words, we didn't spend the whole evening on Christmas to begin with. But we took a look at some of those Christmas songs going back to July, August. Because um, I used to be music vice president of the chapter. I'm president of the chapter now. And in my notes to the board, I said, we need to get busy earlier because we have so many other things going on that you can't just do stuff and then all of a sudden say, whoops, it's October. You know, let's start working on the Christmas show. It's not going to happen. So you do a little bit each week. Mm-hmm. Which means if you start earlier, you've got time to do, you know, maybe devote 15, 20 minutes to Christmas and then get back and do some other stuff that's not Christmas related, but at least you've started the process. Yeah. And so by the time you get to September, October, November, you got a much better better handle on the songs. And so we start we start August, July, August. Quite acceptable. Makes life a little easier. <laughs> yeah, there, there's um, a psychological factor in even having 15 minutes worth of work into something that's coming down the pike. Mm-hmm. And it's like you broke the dam and it's okay to continue. Yeah, so often, you know. I'm a dam breaker. You know, I, I, are you? I just, I get so wound up. I sit and I think and I think and I think and I think. And once I get the title and the first paragraph done, I'm home free. But by golly, you know, cranking that out and approaching it with some element of creativity mm-hmm. just freezes me sometimes. Yeah. And you have to allow yourself the time to say to yourself, God, what am I going to do here? I know. If you're doing it three weeks before the deadline, the pressure mounts. If you do it, it five months before the deadline, you know, it, it's a little easier. Sure. Didn't there done that? It's like the uh, King, the Kingsmen sing on Sugar McGee and Molly, nine more days to shopping, and then they get eight more days, and then seven more days, and they're, they're just, oh, that's fine. I've got plenty of time. And by the time they get to the end, it's like hysteria. Yeah, it's one thing to say in October, oh, we got three months. Right. Three months equates to four rehearsals roughly a month. Maybe that's only 12 more times to rehearse. Uh-huh. That's a lot less when you look oh, at it that way. When you start counting it backwards like that, you bet. Yeah. You bet. Walden and I started talking about mm. Christmas ideas in July. Mm-hmm. I mean, not Christmas ideas for July. We started talking about Christmas ideas in July. And... All of a sudden, here's Christmas. You know, and I started making calls in November, but I was still making calls this week. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, that makes me work. Well, it's the same thing when I used to do the radio conventions. <laughs> I would get ideas all year round and write them down. And we'd begin sometimes working on the convention in June or July. Sure. We would had, we had no clue yet what the theme was going to be, but we know we could build some things into it. Uh-huh. And and so we would get like you know people saying yeah I'll, I'll be there I'd be happy to be there, and by the time September October got around we were pretty much done, and and not completely because stuff always happened. Uh-huh. I remember the, the week of one convention, Maury Amsterdam was supposed to be the panelist, and he called up and said he had to work. Oops. So thir- I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. We scrambled. Yep. 
Oops. Remember that panel, uh, Mar uh, yep. Walden? Yeah. I sure do. Yep. Yeah, and we found other people who said, oh, no, we'll, we'll be there. <laughs> and they were, and it was fine. But that stuff happened on more than one occasion. Yeah, but you know that, that initial kafunk when you think you've got something put to bed and you can concentrate on something else, and all of a sudden it's not there. Yeah. That makes my little heart go pafunk. Yep, it does. It does. Even if you know it's going to come out okay, there's a kafunk there. Unfortunately, since we've been doing this a while, we knew who the major players were, and we knew who to call to say, uh, we're in trouble. Mm -hmm. Ghostbusters. Yep, exactly. I, I mean, I called a lot of you all and said, who, would you, who do you think, what, what do you think we should do? And we talked about it, and I, you know, we finally we said, well, let's keep the comedy idea going. We'll just change the, the structure a little bit in terms of who we invite. Mm -hmm. And it was fine. It worked out fine. And a few people were disappointed that Maury Amsterdam wasn't there, but, you know, what are you going to do? Work comes first. But that happened on several occasions. Yeah. And I know it's happened to reps. I know it's happened to Friends of Old Time Radio. Mm -hmm. It's the nature of what is. You know, it's going to happen. You cannot do something on that scope without having something not do the right thing. Right. Can't do it. But it always works, no matter what it's... You, you, it's staring you in the face, and you go, oh, my... God, I don't know if this is going to work. Yeah. And then after it's done, it's like Christmas. It feels like five minutes and it's done. Mm -hmm. I know. Like, and it all works out. And then you look at each other and go, did right? we really do that? Did that really happen? What? Yeah, Christmas. I know. Same thing with radio conventions. You know. Huh? Did we really get Burgess Meredith and Jeanette Nolan on the same stage? Yep, we did. <laughs> did we really get Dragnet on the – yeah, we did. Did we really get Hyman Brown out here? Did he really bring, you know, friends mm -hmm. of his? You know, you, you think about these things in July, and you go, God, wouldn't it be great if we could? And then after the convention, you look at each other and say, yeah, we pulled it off. Mm -hmm. It really worked, and it worked very well. So you plan the work, and then you work the plan. Oh, I like that. I stole that. I can believe that. I had somebody who used to preach in my life. I, he used to preach. Um, there's a place for everything and everything in its place. Mm, I like that. And it would make me nuts. Not because it wasn't, I mean, it's a very good thing. You can just hear it so many times, you know, before you start feeling anxious about what did I forget to put away? Mm. You know, enough, enough, enough. But it, it's a good principle. Yeah, it is. I can live with that. Sure. Um, I, it's, it's really a good principle this week because I can't find my Christmas CDs. Oops. You know, the ones with my, I, I separated out Christmas shows into like eight or ten CDs with 50 shows each. So when somebody asks for a Christmas collection, and these are all mixed up, you know, some great Gildersleeve, some Burns and Allen, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So it's really nice, and none of them are duplicated. So when somebody asks for Christmas, I can say, okay, you know, do you want number one, number two, or number three? I can't find them. They're gone. <clears throat> but I mean, they're not oh. gone. I didn't throw them out. Or I don't know what I did with them. You'll find them. Well, I know. I mean, you know, Easter comes, too. Exactly. Just blame them in the post office. <laughs> <laughs> I can't blame my desk on the post office. So I'm, I'm figuring it's somewhere there because this little thing creeps up on me. I don't know who uh, was the great interview I read. At first, I thought it was David Ogilvy, the... Um, advertising genius who died about 10 years ago 
but it wasn't. It was somebody in a really powerful position who was successful and never seemed to be fragged. You know, somebody who can run a multi-billion dollar business and go home with the tie still in the right place. Mm -hmm. And he said one of the things that he really adheres to is the principle, I never handle a piece of paper twice. He never Mm -hmm. sets something aside to do later. He does it then or it's not done. And I thought, you know, that's really cool, except I couldn't do it. (laughs) I tried so hard. Mm -hmm. And... I, you know, you, you put aside a bill. You don't want to stop everything to make, write out a check for a bill. So you set that aside, and pretty soon you got other things set aside. So I can't put it to work for myself. I feel like a failure. Yeah, I guess it takes a lot of discipline, and some people can do that. Some people can't. He didn't have to write checks. Yeah. Somebody else did that for him, and I hadn't thought about that before. There are things that we are obligated to do that someone in a leadership position in a company does not have to do mm-hmm. for himself. Okay, I'm off the hook. Thank you. <laughs> Silent Walden, are you there? Hi, huh? Oh, oh yes. boy. You know, sometimes Walden just disappears on me. I mean, I, I assume what he was doing was what, what the next radio show he was going to play No, no, me. no. I was just, I, I, I put Bing Crosby away, put Doris Day in, I took my sweatshirt, put my, in my uh, chair, and I was wondering, do I need to unwrap this blanket? You know, I'm just... He's getting ready, Larry. I'm just checking everything The radio out. show from bed, Walden? I've done that. Have you really? Yep. It's, wow. It's, it's, it's beautiful that my my uh, rear end... I don't have a... I don't do this from a chair. My, uh, my, uh, my comfy little fanny leans against my bed, and I'm just talking to everybody on the microphone. Is that right? Yep. So for the most part, are you sitting on your bed or are you standing when you're... I'm leaning against my bed. I have a special made bed, mm-hmm. which has six drawers, which I think I have over 5,000 CDs underneath it. Is that all? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a custom-made, it's a custom-made bed, and when people come to visit Wong's bedroom... They said, how in the world can you get up up there? Because it's so high off the ground. Yeah. Wow. So it makes a good, it makes a good, it makes a good leaning pose. So what, what do you sit on? Actually sit down on the floor? My, it's my bed. Okay, so you're not leaning against your bed, you're on your bed. Well, my, my, my feet's on the ground, my, my, and I can just sit on my bed if I wanted to. Now, is the microphone a boom mic? It's just a table stand mic. Oh, wow. So you could pick it up, uh-huh. lay on the bed, and talk. Let's see if we can do that. Let's see here. doesn't do that very <clears> well. Sometimes he'll just disappear on Well, I'm on my bed, and I'm talking to... part of the show. I'm talking to everybody on the show. Pick it up. So you he could... He does that as well. Once in a while, he'll disappear, uh, if we're in the chat room or something, mm-hmm. and... I say, well, Walden fell over. And he does. He just falls over and goes to sleep for a few minutes mm-hmm. and then gets back up. Wow. Very lonely feeling, you know. I do a Bob Hope. Yeah, exactly. I can sleep anywhere. Just ask Melinda. Anywhere. Uh, in a car, in a train, in a plane. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. And we think it's because 
Um, when I was a baby, my parents would sometimes drive me around in the car. As a matter of fact, in, one, in some occasions, if they didn't drive me around, they would turn the washing machine on and put me on, put John and I both on top of the washing machine, and the motors of the washing machine, the, 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 the vibrations would lull us. Yes. Wow. Yes. It's like a puppy with a, and please, um, this is not an insult, but a puppy with an alarm clock under his pillow. True. Because it tick, 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 tick. You just have to remember not to set the alarm. Well, I can be sitting in a recliner, which is not a great place to sit when you really think you should stay awake. <laughs> and this is in the evening, and, and I'm just sitting there, and Melinda will start talking to me, and I'm asleep. And then she'll say, Larry, and I'll, then I wake up. I can be asleep for 30 seconds. I, I can do that. <clears throat> then I, I'm just amazed. My dad and my friend Brian Hager have a, this gift. They can... They can be sound asleep and snoring, and I can have a conversation with them. They can answer my question and snore in between the answers. <laughs> I don't know how in the world, but my dad can do that. We, he can snore away, mom or I can act, and he and give it the answer. It's just wow. unbelievable. At, at some time, sleeping habits, or not habits, sleeping... Um, characteristics, I don't know what they, they belong to individual people, but frequently Yeah. Sleep specialist, you're not supposed to do that. Nope. But it happens. And I can be asleep if I want to be in bed within, usually within two minutes. Mm-hmm. I cannot. Uh, I'm, I'm gone. It takes me, it can take me over an hour. Really? Yeah. If, if I'm in bed for that amount of time, I'm an emotional wreck. <laughs> I am up and walking around and I'm up for the rest of the day. Well, that's, that's just, especially if I, if I wake up and it's early, sometimes I'll go back to sleep. But if I don't, and if I'm laying there for 10, 15 minutes, I'm up. This morning I was up before 4. I didn't want to be. I didn't have to work today. Well, Patricia, Patricia and I was debating, we would, you know, poor Patricia. She makes a big sacrifice to do this show for me because i got to wake her up sometimes to do the show. No, not very often. I know. But this was an early morning show. Uh, poor thing only had three and a half hours of sleep last night. Wow. I'm abused. Oh, Can I go through? But did you nap during the show? No. If I, if I, <laughs> I tell the world and I tell everybody, I am not a napper. It is so painful for me to get up. I'm not about to do it twice oh. in a day. Oh, oh. So I'm up forever, and I will go down and stay down, but I don't do naps. I can take a nap. I know, you can. 
I can figure that out. Fall over on your bed. That's true. Uh, that, yeah. Here's an interesting question. Do you sleep better with like a radio or a television or some background noise going on? I like having a radio eventually. I think most of the time I shut off just before I go to sleep. Okay. Larry? Um, I, Melinda likes noise. I, I can get along without it. <laughs> can you get along with it? Yeah, I can, sleep, I can sleep through noise. She can have her TV on and watch TV. Mm-hmm. When you're listening to an radio show and huh? you fall asleep, do you remember the circumstances and, and the details of the show when you wake up? Uh, no, it's same thing with a book. Same thing with a book. Uh, if I'm asleep, I could go chapters and chapters on end, unless I've set the sleep timer to, go, to stop the book, and then I'll have to go back and find my place in the morning. Same thing with a radio show. No, I don't remember. Once I'm gone, I'm gone. I'm done. But so Walden, if you fall asleep on your bed, if you fall over, yeah, and you're doing the show, yeah, who wakes you up? Uh, it's it's a great time to know when I know I have new callers. Yeah. If the phone rings? That's an automatic alarm clock if the phone rings. Uh-huh. So have you ever been in a situation where you're talking to people and, and you fall asleep and you're on the air and, and they hear... Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a gentle snorer, so they haven't caught me yet. yet. They haven't. But has there been dead air because you fell asleep? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Have you got that on tape? Yeah. I'd love yeah. to hear it. <laughs> I think my audience would love to hear it, too. We'll build that in the same time. Same Why time. not? Why not? Yeah, I, I, you know, I am, I am a, uh, I am, I have the, I'm blessed that I have the run of the house. Yeah. Do, do you hear this, Larry? I, 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 um, uh, I, I. Well, I did not know if we Bill and Kim were listening. I didn't know, no, Bill and Kim were listening to me at the moment. Ay, ay, ay. You know, Kim is oh. a sweetheart. She'll call me and say, Wong, there's dead air, and I know it's two in the morning. I figure for fair play when I when there's dead air and I turn back to the army, it's okay for me and I've done it to call Bill and Cam at three, four in the morning and wake him up. Go down. Oh, really? Oh yeah. Yeah. Go down and fix the station. I'm going to bed. There's <laughs> nothing down there. Good night. Well, that's right because they actually have to, somebody has to when you go to bed. Yeah. You ship it back to Texas, but does somebody uh, uh, do they have to fix it or is it automated? Is it is does it automate back into it the regular place? Automate back, but. If there's there, if there's dead air in Texas and there's nothing I can do, right, I gotta wake them up. Yeah, yep. They also have a system when there's dead air. Two and I've been around two minutes of dead air. Their their cell phone wake up the dead. Wah 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 Wow. Wow, really? Yeah. So Kim wake up a little bit easier. Well, Kim's that's not necessarily true. Kim's an angel for doing that. You know, she hasn't put me into the police too often. Assault. <laughs> <laughs> well, for the first time tonight, my phone is starting to chirp. I think uh, I think that's fabulous. I every two hours or so, I was having to ha- excuse me, hang up. I've got a cordless phone, you know, with the headset type mm-hmm. thing, so walk around with your hands free. And every two hours or so, I'd have to put it back in the charger. I found a battery for it. Uh, it's not a brand battery. It's a, a generic, and it promised five hours. And I think I've gotten it. Well, really? considering this one we've been on for ten, two, those 12 hours, and we played 
Yeah. Yeah. Maybe two hours of material. A twenty-minute or a half an hour break periodically. Yeah. yeah. But that wouldn't have mattered with the other one, so no. I was just delighted. Wow. We did the whole show without my having to switch phones. Da -da 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 -da. That's good. Ooh. And you've done pretty well, because I know that Walden said you were about ready to hang it up a little while ago. Uh -huh. What is it? Is it 4 o'clock now? Yep. It is 4 o'clock now. Yep. I took a guess, because I don't have my watch on. Yeah. Yep. It is 3.59, about to go bunk. <laughs> so I am going to pack it in. Chirping phone in its charger. Say Merry Christmas to people who are still hanging in there with us. Bless your heart. And thank you for being there, because, boy, we sure love you. You bet. Merry Christmas, Walden. Merry Christmas, Larry. Merry Christmas to you, too. Thank you. And Melinda, too, please. Uh, uh, Patricia says Merry Christmas. Who? Patricia says Merry Christmas. <laughs> she said who? <laughs> <laughs> ho, ho, ho. She's not listening. She's reading emails. <laughs> that, that other person. That's cute. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's reading emails. Okay. Well, ha Merry Christmas to her anyway, even if she doesn't remember who I am. She remembers you. And all of you have a wonderful day tomorrow. <clears throat> or later today, depending well, for everybody except right those in today, Alaska and Hawaii. Yeah. I've always functioned on the principle that if I haven't been to bed yet, it's not the next day. I see. When I wake up, it's the next day. I know it's the next day. I just deal with it. Oh, see? I just deal with it. You're cheap. Well, yeah. I am out of here, guys. Okay. Christmas and Walden, I will be here at 7 o'clock when you call tomorrow. Merry Christmas, Patricia. Merry Christmas, Walden. Good night, everybody. Good night. And there she goes. Won't miss. I'll, I'll, I won't, probably won't be able to hear that because we'll be out and about. But uh, later on, are you going to be doing some of the same things you usually do on Saturday nights or, or not? Well, we're going to do some more surprise guests. Yeah. We're starting at 4 o'clock Pacific and we'll go until... Two, three, four in the morning. Wow. So I'll tune in when I get back. Yep. Yep. So whatever. That is. Whatever you guys, uh, we'll have a, a dinner break at six. We're having our honey baked ham. Oh, very good. That Frank and Bobby gave us. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, so, cool. So that's what I'll be feasting on. Did you talk about the Lone Ranger uh, and Fred Boy? Not too much. I was saving, saving that a little bit, uh, uh, mostly for Sunday. Um, yeah. But, uh, well, wait, let's talk for a second. You, you known, gosh, you probably know Fred for close to twenty five years. You think about it, Larry, right? It had to be. Yeah. Had to be about twenty five. Yeah. Almost twenty five. Yeah. And let's see. I think you were responsible for bringing him out to Spurvet twice. Twice. And I did it once. And thing always got me about Fred Foy. What a classy gentleman. The the image you had of Fred Foy is he would never say a crossword about anybody. Right. And he was a good-looking guy, from yeah. what I understand. Yeah. People who told, who visually could see him said he looked like he had just stepped out of Gentleman's Quarterly. Yeah. And and he was always impeccably dressed, yeah. no matter where he was at the conventions or anywhere else. And he, I don't think he ever turned me down. Now, he may have been in situations where he didn't feel like doing it, mm -hmm. but if we wanted to do an interview or wanted to do a radio show or whatever it was, he never, ever turned us down. He said, sure, always. And... Uh, he always worked in the opening of the Lone Ranger, and it's not because of an ego. It was just because people wanted to hear it, and so he was doing whatever he could to make them happy. And he he learned it, actually he memorized it actually. And just about every setting that he was in, you could you could bet that he was going to do the opening of the Lone Ranger. 
what I remember the first time, and I don't know how you guys found them. It must have been through FOTR eventually, but I remember the 80, I think it was the 86 convention. Yeah, it had to be the 86. You brought them out, and you had the Lone Ranger Lunch. Mm-hmm. And Charles Michelson provided the silver bullet. That's right. Yeah. And I think he had six. You allowed Bob White to host the panel. Right. And, and of course, Fred did his famous opening and uh, uh, standing ovation on that whole thing. I know thing. Bob, Bob has done for years uh, Lone Ranger specials, and, and I don't know if he's still doing them because I haven't heard recently. Yeah. Uh, actually, I'm sure he still is. But he called Bob, uh, Fred Boy on the phone initially for the, one of those specials in the early 70s. Mm. And then he interviewed Fred at Newark in 1985. Okay. Yeah, that's right. I remember hearing that. He gave it to us, and we said, you know, we need to get him out here. Yeah. Bird back. And so I went back in 86 and, and met him mm-hmm. and talked to him over that point, like bringing him back out. And, well, it must have been before that, I guess, I, because that was October of 86, and we brought him out. And did we bring him out in, in 86? I thought it was 86, but maybe 80. Because the shadow was 86. Right. With Anthony Tolan. Right. Well, I know it wasn't 87 because that was the comedy special. And I know it wasn't 84 because that was the opening one. Well, it might have been 88. Is that the same year we brought out Elena Hyman? And yes. And what? Oh, oh. Well, that was a different convention, I think. Is that different? Yeah. Uh, what I remember, this was, I think it was strictly the 99, 99 is when you brought out Bob Mac. Uh, well, you, Bob Mackel came from Palm Springs, and you brought Harry Goldstein. Oh, yeah. Uh, Elaine Hyman. Okay. Casey. Bro- Casey. Well, the first luncheon we brought out, we, I know, we, I can't remember what it was. That Ernie we brought yeah, out. it was Ernie Wing Stanley. Right, and Fred Foy. Fred Foy. And I think Casey was, there, Casey for, was there for a few minutes. He couldn't stay, but he was couldn't there for the stay. luncheon. I don't remember if you guys even found Dick Beals at that time. I don't think Dick no. was even at that. No, he wasn't. Um, Bob Maxwell probably was there. I don't Bob remember. Bob Maxwell was there. Yeah. But I think there were six, and I think there might have been one or two others that I don't mm-hmm. think of. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember a Lone Ranger recreation that year. Um, no, no, it was just a panel. Just a panel. I think. Then I remember the '99 was really special because I know people t- cheered up um, because it was John Hart playing the Lone Ranger, and you had six cast members, mm-hmm. and it was an afternoon recreation. And I know my, like my mom and others, you know, you know going back to their childhood of the '40s, watching a lot of those guys do the the, the show that they remember as a kid. And I'm Goldstein needed oxygen because he needed oxygen, yeah. issues, and and they didn't have his oxygen to begin with. Holy cow! And they finally did. You know, they they got it to his hotel, but yeah. he didn't have it at first. Yeah. And uh, then they had to provide extra oxygen for him as well. Wow. Which cost us more money than we had originally planned, obviously. Sure. Because it had to be there. Yeah. And I I remember all kinds of issues happening that year at the convention. It worked out fine. Everything was good and yeah. everyone was happy, but. Yeah, initially when we got there, all hell broke loose. Yeah. It happened. Yeah, it does. It does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are the two times, and I brought them out, figuring it's the 75th anniversary of the Lone Ranger, and at that time, uh, I brought out his daughter, Nancy, because I knew Fred to the point he just wasn't going to travel by himself. Mm-hmm. And, because I think, I think he was one make, because he, he had family out here, and with the opportunity to have his grandkids see him do the Lone Ranger, and so he's willing to make the trip, and that was the last radio convention he ever did. Oh, is that right? Yeah. He never went back to FOTR, mm. turned reps in, uh, in Cincinnati all down. 
but uh, Spurvak was the last one he ever did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I've been in contact and had been talking a little bit to Nancy. And then we heard, I heard, I guess a couple of days ago, that, that I knew that he wasn't doing well, but mm. I heard he was very ill a couple of days ago. Mm. And then I got, I think, your note and about five others, emails and a couple of phone calls, like wow. interspersed throughout the day, yeah. mentioning that he had passed away. And unfortunately, it was it was not unexpected, but it was still very sad because here's a voice that you know we all knew. One of the legendary voices of the remaining names we have left to think about. Mm -hmm. Well, we have a lot of character actors. I mean, even I was tuning in the morning in the morning K here in KNX, CBS, the CBS Hourly News had a piece on Fred Ford. Did they? Yeah. Well, one of the things I remember, I was we, were, we did a promo for Same Time Same Station uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, and I mentioned during the promo that one of the things I'll always remember is uh, we brought him out to do the Lone Ranger, and we also brought him out, and he did a Jack Armstrong recreation. Oh, that's he was right. the announcer on the show, and our barbershop quartet did the Wheaties that's commercial. That's right. That's right. And how cool was that? Oh, yeah. And you had a Charles... Our quartet singing the Wheaties song with Fred Foy. And Charles Flynn doing the Jack Armstrong. What's that? I think you had Charles Flynn being Jack Armstrong. Exactly. Yeah. And I've got that, and I think we're gonna we're gonna run yeah, to that, that piece. That'll be part of the special mm -hmm. that we do. We haven't we haven't firmed up everything we're gonna do yet. But that was so cool. Yeah. That was really neat. To be a part of that yeah. was uh, a lot of fun. And I'm, and he was. And here's a guy who, who did the Lone Ranger. He knew what he was doing with narration, etc. But every time I ever saw him, and I went to just about all of Spurdvax rehearsals. And a lot of friends of old time radios, and even in, in reps, I was at the rehearsals. And when he was there, he was always asking the directors, "Is that what you wanted? Do you want anything more?" Wow. Yeah, now there's wow. the guy, because he knows what he wants. He's yeah. done it long enough. But he was always at the beck and call of the director, and if they needed something different or whatever, he would do it. What a dream to work with. Exactly, he was oh. very easy to work with. And I remember during the recreation of uh, Jack Armstrong, it, the narration was uh, one of either the music ended early from the quartet or the narration did. Uh -huh. And and so we talked about a couple of ways to handle it. And John or I, one of us, said, "Well, wait a minute. Let's 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 instead of singing the words, let's ooh first while you're doing it, and then we'll break into words, mm -hmm. and that worked. And it was really mm -hmm. cool because." We did it a couple of times until we all liked it, mm -hmm. and that's the way we did it on the show. But I mean, Fred was up for anything. If we needed to change something, he said, "You just let me know what you want me to do." And uh, you know, he was just such a classy guy, nice man. So was his wife. For years, we got Christmas cards from him. Yeah. For years and years and years. I don't. I think when we moved, I don't know that we've gotten them in the last couple. Uh, Fred, because you know, for Fred and Fran are moving. Oh, I think that twice. That I know, we're changing numbers the last two, three times over the last couple of years. So. Um, I was always grateful when they kept me track, you know, mm -hmm. keep right. me posted. Like, then they were supposed to move and didn't. Yeah. Yeah. And I know Bill Bragg got a Christmas card from him here a few days ago, so. 63 years of marriage, too. That's, that's a good that's run. Incredible. Good run. Incredible. It's sort of like Perry Como. You know, I think Perry married for 65 years, and when his wife passed away, People I knew that knew him, that was it. He was ready to go. Yeah, yeah. And, mm -hmm. you know, there are things called soulmates, you know? 
Exactly. You know, they, they take that pretty calm, and once one goes, the other goes within about 18 months. Very soon. You know? Very soon, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Well, well, what are you going to do after I hang up on you? I think I'm going to run the bed probably. Are you? I think so. You got more to do. We got t Patricia tucked in bed. I got to get up. I'm going to get up at, uh, before 9.30 and go to my aunt for the day. And wow. So It'll be a short night for you. It'll be a short night, but I generally need about six. Yeah. What about you? Are you? How many hours do you think you need? Well, I. it's nice to get seven, but usually I get about five. Uh-huh. Five or six, and for somebody who's diabetic, that's not good. Well, now, is it, can you do straight, or you you break you wake up periodically? Too? I wake up periodically. Uh huh. I will usually sleep for about four or five hours, and it's it's pretty straight, mm -hmm. and then I wake up. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I can go back to sleep. Other times, you know, I'm awake, and when I'm awake for ten to fifteen minutes, I figure the heck with it. <laughs> Might as well get up because I'm not going to do myself any good, and I get up and do stuff. Mm -hmm. Laundry. Laundry. I've <laughs> <laughs> laundry at 4.30 in the morning. It's a great way to do it. I, I've been known to go walking around doing the dishes, you know, uh, pull yeah. them out, clean them out, you know. Uh, yeah, I, but I don't do that generally because the, Melinda can hear the dishes. Oh. So I'm quiet. I, I usually wait, and I'll do them until after she gets up. But I still make noise. Well, now, the way your apartment laid out, you can, you can do the laundry without her hearing it, right? Well, we don't have the laundry We don't have a laundry room in the apartment. Okay. Unfortunately. I wish we did. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things he really misses because we used to have a condo and and we had a, a, an attached garage. Oh yeah. And we had that's where the laundry room was with the washer and dryer. Yeah. Uh, we don't have that, so we had to give them away, and now we have an apartment. Now, granted, the laundry room is only 30 yards away, maybe, but still, you got to go outside. Woohoo! And around the corner, and it's 50 degrees. Yeah. Sometimes 44, 45 when yep. I'm out there. So I walk fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's okay. It does wake you up very quickly. Uh -huh. Yeah, and I, and, and I had uh, this morning as well. I had, we had th these rains, you know, out here, and I, I mean, I got we got hammered yeah. a couple nights ago, and we have a, rugs on the patio type indoor outdoor rugs mm -hmm. on the patio in mm -hmm. front of the apartment, and I picked one up the other day and hung it over the brick wall, and the water that came out of that rug woo, for three minutes, I heard it drip. Good drip, drip. Oh, and today I, we flipped it over and, and more water came out. So it's, it's fine now, but it's a, that thing must have weighed 10 or so extra pounds. And I hear we're supposed to get more rain starting Saturday. Saturday night, it's yep. supposed to rain hard. Yep. And for the rest of the people in the country, you're saying to yourselves, who cares? <laughs> we got snow. We got pretty below. Who cares about you idiots in California? I know. When, we call, when Patricia and I talked to the mayor from the North Pole this morning. I heard that. Yeah. Uh, Balmy 30 below. Yeah, Balmy 35 below. And when Santa Claus... That's 30 below, uh, not Celsius. No. And then when Santa Claus left, it was 49 below. Wow. I can't even envision temperatures that cold. <laughs> you, and even I close. you and I being California kids, we have no idea what any of that's really like. Have you ever tried to read Braille in temperatures that cold? <sighs> no. Uh, when we did the Rose Parade, our fingers froze. Mm. At 35 degrees, we couldn't read Braille, and that's what we were having to do. We had pages to read to describe what yeah. was going on. And so finally, the second year, uh, the program director brought a little heater and plugged it in. And when we weren't reading, we had our hands on the heater 
warming them up. I bet the first year you guys just stuck them in your armpits. Practically. We did. We did yeah. everything. Yeah. Oh, it was horrible. Yeah. And none of us thought of that. None of us. <laughs> but, I mean, you guys didn't grow up in the cold climate. Who, who would have known? Yeah, yeah, I know we grew up out here, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Well, so. I, know, I know you've got family in Colorado, but really, Colorado doesn't get that cold all, all the time no. when you went back there to visit family. Not like Minnesota, no. South Dakota, no. even Chicago. Yeah. No. Very true. And well, uh, I'm going to give everybody else an opportunity to hear you fall over on the bed all right. fall asleep. Sounds great, Lori. I'll be doing that, too, but you won't hear it. I, hey, it, it takes, it's, it, it's, it's popular radio. <laughs> <laughs> this is what Bill's listening. <laughs> Bill's rating. Exactly. All right, Lori, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, too, Walden. And uh, if you get home in time tomorrow night, give us a call. I will. All right, pal. I'll be talking to you later this weekend anyway. Sounds great. Okay. Merry Christmas, Lloyd. See ya. Bye-bye. And there's the one and only, my buddy, Lloyd Gassman. I think it's time to get Doris Day up. And let's just put in the parties over, Lord willing. Yeah, I'm just going to be lazy about it. And just, let's see here. There we go. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining me tonight. And Patricia and Larry and the whole gang, we love you all very much. Join us 4 o'clock Pacific, 7 o'clock Eastern for more goodies. We love you very much. Merry Christmas, everybody. Just make your mind up. The piper must be paid. The party's over. The candles flicker and dim. You danced and dreamed through the night.